when God's people gather together in community, it, it changes something. It shifts because, you know, the, the Holy Spirit just got, you know, God abides in the praises of His people. And so when you, when you carry that kingdom of God with you and, and you come together, uh, it shifts things, man. It brings hope. It, it dispels darkness because that, that presence of God abides. I could feel the Holy Spirit this morning. And if you're here, uh, we believe that the Good Shepherd, somebody say Good Shepherd, we just preached on that last week, has led you here. And remember that Jesus said, I am the Good Shepherd and Good Shepherds lead. So thank you for being led of the Lord to celebrate and gather with us today. Listen, God has historically impacted the earth at creation, at the birth of Jesus, at the cross, and at the resurrection. And I don't believe that any other event will eclipse the resurrection until the second coming of Jesus. It's that impacting, and it's why we're celebrating today. It's that significant. The religious leaders of the day, they didn't see it coming. Uh, the devil did not see it coming. The final three nails that, were, that nailed Jesus to the cross were the final three nails in the devil's coffin. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. In 1 Corinthians 2.8, it says, "...which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory." The disciples did not see it coming, even though they were told time and time again. So, we're, we're, we're going to continue this morning. We started about four weeks ago on a series that was basically the seven I am's that Jesus spoke and this morning, we are going to culminate that series in John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So, so I want to pick up the story in John 11 so we can have a context of that statement and why Jesus made that statement. Uh, John 11, we find the story of Lazarus, which is the last miracle that Jesus did before he was crucified. So Jesus is informed that Lazarus, who the Bible says he loves, was sick. You know, and there was an urgency. Hey, the one that you love is sick. And, you know, so there's this pressure in this and whatnot. And he hung around for a couple more days. And he disappointed some people in doing that, but he had a bigger plan. He had a bigger, bigger purpose. So he starts heading towards uh, Judea. And in John 11, 11 through 6, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. He's dead. They didn't get it. Then Jesus, and, and then he goes on and says, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we might die with him. <laughs> I mean, crazy, but what we pick out out of this passage is that first of all, we see that God looks at death differently from the way that we look at it. Because there's many times in the Bible, the New Testament talks about falling asleep. And Jesus was just about ready to prove it again that He was the Master over death. And despite the six previous miracles, the disciples, especially Thomas, were looking at this whole thing with this Eeyore spirit. Let's go with Him that we might die also. 
Now, they had seen Jesus raise the widow's son in Luke 7. They had seen Him bring back Jairus' daughter back into life in Mark 5. And, and now they're going to see Jesus one-up the previous miracle. So, so I want to I continue this story in, in verse 17. Now when Jesus came, He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. That's significant. Four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem and about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. They were already in that grieving, mourning, he's gone process. Okay? And then Martha heard that Jesus was coming, so she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even... Now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And so she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who's coming into the world. Now you've got to recognize that that word believe is not just like I'm, in, I'm intellectually aware of who Jesus is. The Greek word right there basically means firmly attached. It means a belief that's committed. I mean, you're, you, you're, in, your, you're in there with your whole heart. There's something that transpires spiritually when you believe this kind of belief that's what he's talking about there's a lot of people that know about Jesus but they haven't taken that step to to believe in him the Jews believed there'd be a resurrection Martha didn't understand that Jesus was going to demonstrate and actually add to her understanding the resurrection was much more than just the future so we're going to pick it up again in verse 32. Now when Mary, so here's the other sister, came to Jesus and saw Him, she fell at His feet saying to Him, Lord, if You had been here, my brother would not have died. Almost the same verbiage. It's Your fault, Jesus. If You had been here, because we've seen You raise, you know, heal the sick. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, He was deeply moved. Somebody say, deeply moved. Deeply moved, because this is important. Deeply moved in His spirit and greatly troubled. And He said, where have you laid Him? And they said to Him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how He loved Him. I want to talk just for a, a couple seconds about deeply moved in His spirit. Most people don't know the proper translation of deeply moved in His spirit. Jesus wept because of the devastation that, that's, and the grief that He saw death causes, and He's about to undo it. But the translation deeply moved means indignation or anger. It's the same Greek terminology that would describe a war horse snorting right before it goes into battle. So there's actually an anger and an indignation in Jesus when he sees what death has caused and what sin has caused. See, God absolutely hates what sin has done in the earth. When he sees the, the, the collateral damage, we've all been touched by it. We've been abused by it. We've walked in it. And it's devastated in some way or another. And God hates sin for the simple reason that sin separates us from him. 
In Isaiah 59.2, it says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. It was sin that caused Adam and Eve to run away from God and hide among the trees of the garden in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And sin always brings separation. You need to hear this. And the fact that God hates sin means that He hates being separated from us. That's the, the root of it. And God loves us so much that Jesus came to do for us what we could not do. And that's the Gospel. That's the good news. So in, in, in verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and it was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Now Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time, there will be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So the Jewish tradition is that uh, a person would pass, they would die, and then their spirit would kind of hang around for about three days in case there was still a chance to come to life. But after four days, they were too far gone. It was, it was done. Can I say this? There's no one too far gone. There's no one too far gone for Jesus to speak, to call to life, to wholeness. And, you know, I, I'm looking at this passage of Scripture and I'm trying to imagine what Mary and Martha, especially them, this is their brother, right? And they're going... We want to have these great memories of Him. He's been in this cave for four days. There's an odor. He's stinking. And it's like Jesus doesn't know that. You know, see, see what would happen with these caves? And I mean, you kind of get a visual picture and it's kind of, it's kind of crazy because they would, they would take somebody that died and they would basically put them in a, you know, in a tomb, in a cave, and they'd roll a rock across it and they'd leave them for about a year and then when all the flesh had kind of you know decomposed and all that then they'd go back and then they would grab the bones and then they'd go bury the bones so think about it that same cave used over and over and over again i'm sure they didn't have like a great cleaning crew i mean seriously this is kind of like you know, it's just one of those things where you, you, re, you, know, you read this and you go, wow, that's crazy. No wonder she didn't want the tomb opened up. Are you kidding me, Jesus? You've been dead for four days. You sure you know what you're doing? Seriously, this is crazy though. So, 41, they took away the stone and Jesus lifted His eyes and said, Father, I thank You that You've heard me. I knew that You were always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they might believe that you sent me. Not just kind of an intellectual thing. More than that, they might believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! He didn't do it quietly. He did it with authority because we're singing about authority this morning. He did it with authority. And and the crazy thing is like, uh, Augustine, uh, way back, believed that Jesus used His name purposely because if He just said, come out of the grave, the whole graveyard would have come out. 
crazy. I mean, seriously. You know, I'd be like, I don't know, you know, like, like the walking dead or something. I mean, now they're alive. That's cool. People are fascinated with that stuff, aren't they? It, it, it's crazy. Because you know what? We don't do death very well. And you know why? Because we were never created for it. That's why like, you know, you talk to somebody that's like even like, I don't know what the oldest person in our church is. I think she's 90, 91, 92, something like that. You talk to somebody like that and they don't feel old in their spirit because you were never created to die and your spirit doesn't get old. Isn't that crazy stuff? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this together. I, I, I believe this is going to encourage somebody. So, the man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So here's the other point that's really important. Lazarus, even then, would be considered as unclean. And if you were a good religious Jew, you wouldn't touch, come into contact with anybody that was unclean. And what did Jesus do? He basically said to His church, He said, go and unbind Him and let Him go. And He's telling His future church that to not be afraid of touching or embracing or helping those who are deemed too far gone. God wants us to reach the untouchables. He wants, to, he wants us to reach the unreachables. Because that's what we see Jesus doing here. And I think also Jesus wept because of the grief and this, that sin and death had caused. And, and maybe He was weeping because He recognized that Lazarus would have to go through the process of death again. Now that's crazy. So I heard somebody say, you know, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be around when it happens. But I'm thinking this through and I'm going, I think Lazarus looks at this totally different the second time. I don't know, you know, he, Jesus loved him and I think they talked. And I think Jesus was like, hey bro, you're going to have to go through this again. But I think Lazarus, like, it totally shifted something because he realized, hmm, if I die, Jesus is going to meet me at the grave. And I could just kind of see him, like, you know, I mean, he gets to that point where maybe he's sick and going, well, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the big one, right? And he starts singing that song, ain't no grave gonna hold my body now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, stuff comes up, you know, things are happening, ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. You know what I'm saying? I'm going, he's got a total different perspective because he's actually tasted the resurrection power of Jesus. That's amazing. That's amazing. I want to point out something that's so important. The declaration that Jesus made before the scene at the tomb to Martha was this, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. He was in essence saying, resurrection is who I am. He was saying that resurrection is not just an event only, it's the person of Jesus. We tend to think of resurrection as just an event, something that's going to happen. And Jesus was actually saying, I'm going to shift your thinking on this 
And I'm going to help you walk through this in a different way uh, of understanding because it's so much more. It's what I am. It's what I'm made for. It's not just one time, two time, or seven time deal. Resurrection, the term, the concept, the hope in both the future and in the present is Jesus. we got to get this into our spirit. Resurrection is not just a future event, but a present reality. Resurrection transformed people in the past. Resurrection transforms people in the now. The Apostle Paul wrote this. Boy, y'all, y'all got to get a little bit louder. You ought to be excited, man. This is a celebration. Seriously, this is a celebration. This is a uh, you know, happy resurrection day. Amen? Romans 8.11, Paul writes this, but if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Resurrection transforms people because Jesus is resurrection. This is what He's trying to get through to the people around us. Resurrection affects your future because it affects your eternity. Resurrection affects the past because it has to do with forgiveness. Resurrection affects the present because there's power for living now. Man, we don't have to walk through this world just like flesh and blood and doing it on our own willpower because the law proved that willpower didn't get us anywhere. Resurrection is, listen, you got to hear me. Resurrection is pulling the hope of the future into your now. It's just, it's going now. I can experience it now. And it's so important. This is what Jesus is trying to tell Martha when He stated, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, eternal life and rescue from the finality of death are not gifts that are obtained. you got to hear me. They are the byproduct. They are the aspect. They are the benefit of what it means to live a life with Jesus. It's just part of who we are because it's part of who He is. How many of you got friends with mad skills? Come on. I mean, I got friends with mad skills. I mean, it's like, oh, I know that guy. He's a gearhead. He can probably help me fix this. I know that person. Or I bring my, whatever relationship that I have with people, I'm going to bring what I bring to the table because that's who I am. Right? This is who Jesus is. He is walking, talking, living resurrection power. And when we, we walk with Him, we, we, we just get the benefit of it. It's amazing. So the theme and the promise and the, and the hope of resurrection is throughout the Bible. And the resurrection of Jesus proved that hope was true. It proved that, that, that everything that Jesus said about sin, you need to hear this. Everything about hell, everything about eternal life, everything about the only pathway being through faith and belief was Him. That's what it proved. It says in 1 Corinthians 15.3, this is the Apostle Paul, first of all, for I delivered you first all that which was also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried, that He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures, that He was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve, and that He was seen by, come on somebody, over 500 brethren at once, you got to recognize this is amazing 
whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep, that it was seen by James and then by the apostles, and then last of all, it was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. The resurrection was not some blind leap of faith, but documented by witnesses. Different accounts and even historical outside the Bible. A story named Josephus wrote about the resurrection. Can you imagine 500 people that actually encountered the resurrection Christ? If we lined them up and, eat, and we gave them 15 minutes each to give their testimony about what they saw, we'd be here for like, through the math, like two years. Okay, year and a half. It's amazing. So this is crazy because when I when I when I when I get the the revelation of the resurrection I'm like that means everything that Jesus said was true. And then my how do I respond to that? How do I respond to that when Jesus said if you love me you'll obey my commandments. I'm like, well, resurrection was true. I think I should believe that was true as well there, there's there's something that we that we walk in it's it, it's why we celebrate and it's a reminder that hope is here in Jesus and this leads me to the final I am that we're going to cover in our series if I could have a musician we'll kind of start bringing this down I'll get your hopes up because usually when I have some music I start preaching a little bit more which is just saying <laughs> I love this because in John 14, 6, so just a little ways farther, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. I mean, he's the door. Remember earlier? He said, I'm the door. I'm the door of the sheep. I'm the good shepherd, and I am the door that's going to lead you in and it's going to lead you out. So I'm, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And you know, can I just say this? There's a lot of people that are, are, are searching spiritually. You know, they're looking for stuff and they're trying to figure out where am I, you know, and maybe it's, maybe it's this religion, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's this religion. I'm telling you what, if somebody's going to give you directions, wouldn't you like that person to be a live person? Because there's, there's no other self-professed religious leader of any movement that's still alive except for Jesus. I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. There's not like multiple pathways. So if you're here this morning or you're online with us, and you don't know Jesus, please let, let me introduce you to Him. Can I introduce you to Him? I don't know what my life would be like if I hadn't surrendered. I don't know what my family would be like if I hadn't surrendered and said, I'm, I'm making a decision to believe. 
I don't know what my life would have been like if my grandmother or my mother hadn't surrendered and say, we've decided to believe in Jesus. And when I look at my life, when I look at the brokenness, the darkness, the stuff that God rescued me to, it's, it brings up emotions. It's like, God, why would you, why would you choose to use somebody like me? But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. God wants you to have everlasting life. And it's not just about like eternally your future is secured. That's really good and really important. But it's like, man, you can walk in this life now. You can walk in this resurrection now. You can walk in this relationship now. There's people that they're fearful because they don't know what the future holds and you need to walk with Jesus and by His Holy Spirit, He will whisper to you and He will say, cast all your cares and your anxieties on me. He's the Son of God. He died for our sins. He was raised up again on the third day and He's come to give us life abundantly, life eternal, and walk with us through the brokenness of this life on earth. He can bring hope to the hopeless. He can change the atmosphere of fear to faith. He can bring strength to the weak and courage to the faint. If you're faint this morning, God wants to bring courage to you. If you're weak this morning, you're probably in the right place because in your weakness, He wants to show Himself strong. He wants to be your champion and say, listen, there's, there's mountains and there's giants and there's issues and there's stuff like that, but I am going to go before you because that's what a good shepherd does. He can deliver you from the captivity of sin, bring healing, bring wholeness and restoration to your life. You can live now with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And if you, do, if you don't know him, you should. I want to introduce you to Him. The Holy Spirit is here to introduce you to Him, to draw you. And if you don't know Him, you should know Him. He's known you from the beginning. He's loved you from the beginning. He planned on destroying the sin which separated you from Him from the beginning. The sin was placed on Him and nailed on the cross because of His love for you. And today, will you decide to know Him? Not just know of Him. Take that step and just say, I'm going to be firm. I'm going to believe today. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die. Changes your address and changes your present. Do you believe this? He said. That's the question I want to ask you this morning. Maybe there's somebody in here you've never taken that step. Do you believe this? Will you believe? Will you believe this morning? Take that step of faith to open the door of your heart and surrender to Jesus and say, God, I believe. I believe. beautiful picture the book of Revelation where it's 
Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man open, I will come in. So you have this picture of this door of your heart. Maybe you've you know, kind of heard about God through the door. Maybe you've even had the Lord speak to you because there's a drawing. I mean, God will draw people. God will draw people. It's like, I felt the drawing of God a number of times in my life before I just, okay, I'm in, Lord. But the, the picture is beautiful because the only handle in that door is on the inside and only you can open it. And if you're here today or you're with us online, I want to give you a chance. Just reach down, open the door, and let Jesus come in. And you believe. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, Paul said, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died and was raised up again on the third day, you profess and confess Him as Lord and Savior. That's not just like this. This thing is like you're saying, okay, I, I, I'm... You, I'm doing this. I'm making it known what's what's happening in my heart. And if that's you this morning, what I'd love for you to do, if you're saying, hey, I want to take this time. Man, what a great day to make this decision. Come on, somebody. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and we'll celebrate your resurrection. But if that's you today, would you just kind of wave your hand at me? Just I just want to agree with you. I mean, Jesus said in the mouth of two or three, let everything be established. It's important. If you're here today and you say, I'm pastor, I'm, I'm going to take that step. I'm going to take that step of faith. I'm going to take that step of belief today. I want you to just kind of wave at me. If you're online with us, uh, I think there's a, you can text uh, salvation, or please text H-O-T-L to 97000. This is an amazing Maybe for many of you, it's just remembering. Okay, I don't have to walk through this without the power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You carry the kingdom of God in you. So can I say to you this morning, if you're anxious, peace. If you're fearful, faith. If you're uncertain, direction from the Lord on your life. If you're caught in addiction, freedom in Jesus' name. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That's our God. If you have broken relationships, we speak wholeness. Some of you, you need miracles. So we speak miracles because that's who Jesus is. We just give Him thanks today. Would you just pray with me? Jesus, I thank You so much for this day. I thank You so much for, for the resurrection. I thank You so much for salvation. I thank You so much for the empowerment of Your Holy Spirit. I thank You so much, Lord, that God, we're just here to celebrate because we are the recipients of what You gave at Calvary. And I just, I just ask that you, you, you bless Your people. Strengthen their faith. We're going to get through this. You're going before us. You're the good shepherd. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. And they all said, Amen. Amen. Can we just put our hands together and give the Lord a praise? <laughs>